Okay, so this is second Shi'ur on Sefer Adikduk of the Ramchal. We are in Sha'ar Bet. Last time we talked about Chalkea Tevot, the composition of words, right? So that got into how words are comprised of letters and vowels and the different ways in which letters and vowels come together to create a word and which letters are considered essential to the word, which are non-essential, what are the different functions of letters in a word um, and what they signify and how the vowels work and so on. That was really what we talked about last time. And we talked about a little bit of that Ibn Ezra that talked about the word bat, which was very interesting how, you know, sometimes a letter is missing. Now, minei um, hatevot, that is sharbet, second chapter or second gate, literally it means. So he says, And by the way, once you recognize this jargon and these terms, you will see them now all the time in the language of different commentaries on Chumash that they use the same, ta- the same terminology all the time. Shemot, pe'alim, kinuyim, vimilot. These are the four kinds of words that exist. You might say, really? All words? There are only four kinds? There's so many words. There's only four kinds of words. One is called shemot. Okay? One is called pe'alim. He's going to define each one of these categories. Now, Hashem, it doesn't mean Hashem, God, right? Hashem, the Shem, the name. What does Shem mean? It means roughly, we would call this in English a noun, okay? Not exactly, but we would call it a noun, meaning it's a thing. So he says, and now I love his definitions of things because his definitions are so precise. It's like every, every nuance that he, you know, in, in, his, in his choice of words. It's something that It's something that refers to something in existence. Which is either a substance or an accident. Like I mentioned last time, the word mikra doesn't mean an accident like I had an accident on the highway. It's not talking about that. Accident is a logical term. It means that things have a substance. And they have quality. We would call them in today's language characteristics. When they use the word mikre, they mean a characteristic. A characteristic is something that if it changes, the essence of the thing doesn't change. Okay? So, for example, a hat, whether it's blue, brown, orange, green, it's still a hat. It just has different color. Characteristic changes, but the substance is the same. Okay, that's what it means, mikre. When you use the word mikre, it means something that, the reason why it's called mikre is because it occurs to something, kara, like the word likrot, okay? Because it, you can't have a color without something that has the color. There's no such thing as red that is not something red. It has to be something red, right? So, it, so to speak, it happens to something. That's why it's called mikre. But it means a characteristic. You can't have redness without a substance that is red. You can't have... Something, you know, if something is hot or cold, the thing is hot or cold, right? It, either the air is hot or cold or the food is hot or cold. It's a quality of something. Okay, so that's what he means, mikre. So he says, so either a, a noun can refer to a characteristic. We could use the term characteristic. It's not exactly precise. They use the word accident in logic. That's the term, in, it's a logical term. Or a substance. Derch mashal. Lechem. We all know what lechem is. I don't have to translate that for you. Shem morel etzim. So that's a noun. That's a thing, right? Bread is a thing. Chokhmah. It's also a thing. Okay? Shem morel al mikre. But that's considered an accident or a quality because there's no such thing as a chokhmah floating out in the sky. Okay? Even that would be, you know, that would be very interesting. You know, chokhmah is a quality of a chacham. Somebody has chokhmah. It doesn't exist independently. Of a, of a mind or a being, right? So chuchmah is a quality of a person that they have chuchmah, they possess it. It's a, it's a characteristic. They're a wise person, okay? It's a thing. It's a thing that what, the way the logicians refer to it is it's something that exists in a subject, okay? It's present in a subject. That's a, that's a technical language of logic. If you read the books of logic, that's how they use, that's how they refer to it. Meaning it's something that exists, you can't have wisdom without a wise person. The wisdom is a quality of the wise person, so it means a mikra. Fine, but it's a noun. Um, it doesn't have to be, because um, it's any, sub, it could be a color, I mean, a, is a color an adjective? I guess so. Yeah, because an adjective, yeah. It's not. 
Right, right. Mo- adjectives would always be accidents, but I'm not sure that it would go the other way. That every uh, accident would be an adjective would be called an adjective in English. I'm not sure that that's true. Yeah, I think characteristic is a better term. It's a little bit more general. Adjective is a little too specific, maybe. So let's just say characteristic. The technical term that you'll encounter is accident because that's what they use in logic. It's, and if you're using the mikra as a noun, the chokhmah was very deep. Yeah. Right. So meaning chokhmah exists in a person, but you could talk about chokhmah as if it were an abstracted substance in its own right. You could do that. Yeah. Just like you could say the brown of this chair is darker than the brown of that uh, table. I mean, you could also, you know, then you're talking about them, you're talking about the quality of the quality. It still remains a mikra. In its existence, in the form of its existence, it's a mikra, but you could talk about it like substance. Right? That's, that's one of the things, that's actually the, I don't want to go into logic right now, but that's like the beginning of Aristotle's categories. You should, one day we can, we can do a class on that, but that's not what we're doing now. Now, uh, but even though the Ramchal talked about that, uh, he has another book on that. So now, so that is it. But that's the substance and the accident. Now he says uh, that's a shame. The thing, okay, it's a thing. Now, what is a poal? We know what a poal is. A, a poel is a work. Poalim are workers, but that's not what we're talking about. Po, a poal is mashiyol poulat poel. He's very precise. The action of an actor is called uh, is a is a verb basically, as we called it in English, right? Verb is the word in English that we use for poal. Now. Why he uses those two things? Maybe he was hungry when he was writing this. I don't know. Eating, drinking. Okay, and he also uses the feminine, right? Anyway, um, but he's going to say that one of the unique things about uh, about poalim is that they include more information than just the verb, because they include the number of actors and they include the gender. You know, so it's 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 more than just the verb alone. He's going to talk about that. Now, ha-kinui. What's a kinui? Now, we're, we might be familiar with the halachic concept of a kinui, which is like a reference to Hashem. Like, uh, Hashem is rah- called uh, rachum, and things like that's called kinui. It's not what it's talking about here. Kinui in language means like what we would call a pronoun in English would be the term. For example, he gives example, otam, them. Okay? So he defines it as mashio al-po'el o-nif'al. It refers to an actor or someone acted upon. Like if I say they went to the store, who is they? I'm referring to specific people who went to the store, but I just use a term that is a generic term. Or I say, oh, he gave the money to them. Who is them? I don't know. Now I need to know the context, right? So what makes a kinui, kinui also in nidarim, if you ever learned Masachet Nidarim at all, so kinui nidarim and things like that. And we say it in the Kal Nidrei. Kinuye, right? So, um, the, so, so the idea of kinuyim is referring to a neder without actually saying the word. What we would call indirect reference. What is a pronoun? It means referring to a person indirectly, not specifically, using an indirect term, as opposed to a proper noun. A proper noun is Bob Smith, specific person. If I say he... It now becomes, it's a, it's a generic term. It's indirect. It only refers to him. Why? Because of the context, right? Kinui means the context gives me the meaning. Because the word otam could be anybody. Who is it referring to otam? Who is it referring to him? Who? If I say he, in English also, we have the same problem. You know, a guy walks up and say, he said this to, her, to them. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Who is he? Who is that? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he says berach otam. He says berach otam is a pronoun. I don't know who the otam is outside the context. So that what makes a kinui different than a shem is that a kinui relies on context to tell me what the meaning is. Okay, it's referring to someone with a with a without telling me explicitly who it is. Okay. Now, Mila is the last thing. Now, if you notice, these things go from more substantial and independent to more dependent. Because first you have the things. Things are the most discreet and clear. Then you have the actions that are done by people to things. Okay? Those actions can't be done without some kind of things in the world, actors and things acted upon. That's why it says, Pulat Poel, 
and nifal. That's what he says. The peula action is the poel and the nifal interacting. That's the definition of it, right? Then he says you have kinui. Kinui is when I refer to the poel or the nifal indirectly. I don't refer to them directly. I refer to them that I need context to explain what I'm talking about. That's poel. That's that's kinui. So it becomes even more a step further away from the direct. And then we have milot, the, the, what he calls hamila. What we would call in English, I think they would call, I'm not such an expert on English technical uh, linguistic terms, but I think it's called the preposition in English, right? Yeah. A preposition, right? So that's a word that doesn't have a meaning in and of itself. Like you could never say like two. I'm not talking about the number without referring to a place, right? It has, or in by itself. Right, between. Now, right, so a lot of these words in Hebrew are made into, anyway, prefixes, like uh, be. We don't really have a word in in Hebrew. It's like uh, attached to the word automatically, you know, but, but he'll give examples, like min, for example, from, from what? You can't say, oh, it's from. From where? From what? It has to be from something. Ad, until, until what? The word until doesn't have a meaning by itself. So he says, "Hamila yashelo toral inyan omed beatzmo ela nismach v'nitle b'shemo b'poal." It's connected to either an entity or an action. Derech mashal ad. Okay, he says until milazol loter mozinyan shalem. It doesn't have a complete meaning. Ela inyanat alui lisamech l'shemo l'poal. It requires attachment to either a thing or an action. Otherwise, it has no meaning. For example, ad salcha. Or ad bo'i, until a certain place or until a certain event, until I come. Ad bo'i. Okay, so it's something that only has significance when it's attached. So do you notice how he goes from things that are the most independent in their meaning, things, to something a little bit more dependent, which is actions that depend on things, to references to things that are dependent on those things. They don't have a meaning, they're dependent on context. To words that don't even have a meaning in and of themselves without other words. You see, so he's... He does that on purpose because he's trying to give it a, a structure. Now, he says, So he says that all of these four things, they have differences in the letters and the nikudot according to uh, nuances basically in what they refer to these words. I'm going to explain each and every one of them to you in the details now. Okay? So he's going to talk about Shemot. And of course, Po'alim are the things that everyone's the most excited about because that's the most confusing. Right? I know. That's, uh, but, but, but that's not the most fundamental. He's talking... The reason why he talks about Shemot first is because he just told you why. Because you can't have a Po'al without a Shemot. You can't have actions without things that are doing the actions, agents that are performing the actions, and objects to which the actions are done. Most of the time you need an object. That's the difference between what's called Paul Yotze and Paul, Paul Omed that they talk about. Right? Paul Omed means an action that doesn't require an object. You know? And a Paul Yotze that the Ibn Ezra always talks about means that it affects something else. You know, I need something else to be involved. But we're not going to talk about that yet because he, we're going to follow the Ramcha. So he, and he wants us first to have Shemot clear, then we'll get Paulim because you need Shemot to have Paulim. You can't have actions without things. Only in a fantasy world. Okay? Now he says, Minei Hashemot. Hashem yechalek l'shisha minim. I love how he organizes everything in lists, you know. There are six types of Shemot. Shem Ha'etzem, Shem Davar, Shem Ator, Shem Ha'min, Shem Ha'yachas, Shem Ha'mispar. There, there are six different kinds of names that you can have. Names meaning nouns, okay? So Shem Ha'etzem means what we would call a proper noun. Hushem nityached le'ish mina ishim. Lo ye'ot el al'ish nityached bo. As what we call in English a proper noun. It rec- it, what does it mean? It means it refers to one entity in the world. There's only one. Okay? There's only one of the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. I say the word Moshe Rabbeinu, it refers to one person. Nobody else. There's no category. It's one person. Okay? Even if you have a cat, Fluffy, it's referring to one Fluffy. There might be other cats named Fluffy, but it doesn't matter. When you say it, you're only referring to this one cat. Okay? That's it. Reuven, for example. Shem nityached ishmenah nashim. Yerushalayim. A place. Specific place. There's no other Yerushalayim. Okay? 
So proper noun we call it in English. Meaning, what is the definition of a proper noun? A term that refers to a singular entity in the world. Not a category, an entity. Okay, now what is it, what's it, what's it between that in Shem Davar, a regular noun? Did you ever think about this? I bet you never thought about it because I know before I read the Ramchal, I never really thought about this, you know. There's a big difference. What's the difference between a Shem, uh, Etzem, a proper noun and a, and a regular noun? So example of regular noun is Shem Kolel. It's a general term. It, it refers to many entities. It's appropriate to many entities because of what they have in common. Why do I, you'll ask me, why do I always use that example? And every time I try to give an example of substance and accident or anything logic, always they use a table and a chair. I don't know why. It's always, oh, the table's color and the table's, because they always do that in the books. They always use table and chair. I don't know why. So it just becomes. Huh? Those are forever going Yeah. There's a very example. So, so that's why he says, Shulchan. In other words, what makes Shulchan different than Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, obvious, uh, besides the obvious things, right? I'm talking about the term, not the, not the referent. Right, not the referent of the term. The term itself, what's the difference? That Moshe Rabbeinu is one singularity. There's never another Moshe Rabbeinu. You could name your kid Moshe Rabbeinu Levi, but he's still not the Moshe Rabbeinu that we're talking about. Okay, we're talking about, even he was also a Levi. So that was actually his name too. But, that, but still, it's not the same person. Right? What are we referring to? A specific be- being that existed at a specific time. When I say shulchan, that could refer to any shulchan in the world. It refers to the shulchan in your house. It refers to this shulchan. It refers to the shulchan in my house. Shulchan outside. Shulchan downstairs. Every shulchan. Meaning to say it is a general term that refers to a category. A, a category of things. And it refers to them by what they have in common. There could be a billion shulchanot in the world. They're all 100% shulchan. There's no less shulchan. Whereas if you name your, uh, somebody the same name as another person, they're not actually the same person. It's a totally different person. So they have a last name or some other way to distinguish them. Yes? So that I was going to mention that. I think he mentions that a little bit further on specifically. He mentions... This explains something in language. See, everything in language is based upon logic, like I mentioned last time. Everything in grammar is really based on logic. It's based on logical thought. But a lot of logic we know intuitively. We don't know explicitly. We've never learned it. So the, why, do you don't, why do you never affix a definite article to a proper noun? Did you ever, meaning you don't say the atom because it's already specific. That's the reason why. Right? And whenever you say ha shulchan, the shulchan, not a shulchan, the, you're trying to narrow it down to a particular shulchan. The reason is because the word shulchan by itself means kol shulchanot Any table in the world is a shulchan. But if I, no, no, I meant that specific one. Right? So you'll notice very often in Chumash, if somebody says the, right, it'll say, uh, he took uh, uh, the donkey. Oh, why does it say the donkey? It must mean the donkey of the Mashiach. It must mean, the, you know, right? The one from the Briata Olam, right? So the point is that whenever it says the, the implication is that it means something very specific. It doesn't mean just any random one. If I just say Shulchan, bring me a, a table, that means any table. If I say bring you the table, you know, the specific one, not just one that is called a table, but the specific one. So you don't do that with a proper noun because the proper noun already is specified. So it would be, you wouldn't say, and that's why you know that like when you say that, you know, it's a joke. The, you know, so, you know, you put the in front of their name. What? They used to call Donald Trump the Donald, remember? It's like, he's a unique, he's not just any Donald. You know, so that, so anyway, the, um, Shemator. So that, those are the first two. There's general, there's specific noun, general noun. Specific noun refers to a particular. Therefore, it never needs a definite article because it's already definite. But the uh, but a a, uh, a general noun could need a definite article. Now Shemator, That is a term where we refer to a subject because of a quality that it has. Okay, meaning. 
For example, Derech Mashal, Chacham, like we said before, Chokhmah exists in the person, we call him a Chacham, Gibor, he has Gvura, so we call him a Gibor. We call him a mighty person. So we use a quality of the person and we, and we, def, we describe them or we denote them. We refer to them by that quality. By, oh, he's a chacham. He's a gibor. He's a, he's a, a very, he's a bal chesed. Okay? No, he's a human being. Why are you calling him uh, one of his qualities? No, he's actually just a human being who has certain qualities. Yeah, but I'm referring to him by the quality because that quality is very pronounced in the person. So I call him a chacham. Or I call him a gibor. Or whatever else you might want to call him. No, if I say the person, I say he's a hero. He's a hero. That's a gibor. He's a hero. You know, he's a scholar. A certain scholar came to town. He's not a you know a scholar means he's a person known for their scholarship, but he's a human being with the quality of being a scholar. What's it called in English? Uh, it's 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 um. No, there's a word for it, but it's, it's a noun that's derived from an adjective, but I'm not sure what they call I forget what the technical term is in English. Uh, the, the, yeah, there's some kind of a, there is a specific term for it, but I don't remember what they call it in English. But it's a, it's a big deal in like, both in logic, they use it a lot, this concept, and also in, in, in dikduk, because it's important to differentiate between when you're defining the person. That's not really, the, the person is actually a human being that has a quality of being a chacham, but you're calling him by that quality because it's very pronounced. And you'll see that Ibn Ezra talks about this all the time. He'll say, oh, this is a toar. This is a shem toar. This is not a shem etzem. This is a shem toar. He actually was in this week's, last week's parasha. He said the word baruch. Okay? Is baruch a, a, a shem toar? It's a, he's a blessed. He is blessed. It's, a quali- it's talking about a quality. Or is it saying, I'm blessing him, so he is a recipient of blessing, is baruch, because it's pa'ul. Right? It's nif'al. It's, it's, it's describing that I am blessing him, so he is blessed. Or it's a quality of being blessed, that I'm describing God as blessed. Okay, so that's, a, that's an example of where you see the to'ar, shem to'ar versus uh, some other grammatical category can get involved. In any case, that's shem to'ar. Now he says, shem amin. So then you have something which refers to a category that's even more general. Now, what's, what makes that category even more general is that there's actually no such thing as that. Meaning, it's called a, it's a genus. It's not, a, it's not specific. It's too general. I mean, there's no such thing as a living thing. There's no such thing. There's nothing walking around that is a living thing. It's a specific type of a living thing. There's a, there are giraffes, zebras, dogs, cats, human beings, turtles, and frogs. But there's no such thing as a living thing. A living thing is a general concept that I use to take other categories and put them under an even bigger category. But there's actually no such thing as walking around called a living thing. Huh? Another example yeah, there's no such thing as furniture. There's, there are t- chairs and tables. You'll never see, oh, there's a furniture. No, no, nobody would ever say, oh, there's a furniture over there. No, I mean, maybe somebody who's just learning English might say that. But no, nobody who actually knows, knows what that means. Because there's only chairs. Or there's a clothing. What do you mean a clothing? There's a shirt, there's a tie, there's a pants, shoes, and so on. But there's no such thing as a clothing. Clothing is so generic. Right? So generic category that's, that is a meta-category, we might call it. Let's call it a meta-category, right? A meta-category, we call it genus. In, in, they usually call it a genus versus the species, right? A genus or a genus, that's the upper category, right? Thank you. I might have, I don't know. Uh, but an upper, the upper category is called a, uh, it's called a, you know, the Shem Hamin he's talking about. So it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a clothing. There's no such thing as a furniture. There are specific types of furniture. There are specific types of clothing. There's no such thing as a vehicle. There's cars, trucks, trains, buses. Vehicle is a general concept, right? So that's what, he, that's what it means, okay? So, um, and you can find a million examples of it. We use it all the time without thinking because we don't need to think about these things. It's like, it's in our brain. We, we, we generalize out. That's why you notice a baby, for example, sees any animal, says, doggy. 
No, 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 that's a rabbit. That's not a doggy. Doggy. This is also doggy. Anything, anything furry that's not a person I think is doggy. Right? Because they have one content. I think it's all the same. Then, right, then they start to develop. Oh, this is this type of thing. This, this. And then they realize, oh, doggy is one thing and cat is another thing. Oh, they're all animals. You know, that's a, there's no such thing as animal, actually. It's a meta concept. Okay? You'll never see an existence called an an, a physical thing called an animal. It's just a category that we abstracted from many different kinds of animals. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, logic, when you learn gramma, grammar and logic, it's almost the same. Like, as you're trying to differentiate between the meanings of words, you're also developing psychological Yeah, yeah, you have to really... And, and what's, it, what's even more amazing to me is how we naturally have an intuition for it without having to be taught it. Nobody ever taught you any of this, but you just naturally... Once I give you the example, you, you can understand it. It's, it's in our brains naturally... That's one of the mysteries that they, you know, how people develop language and develop this understanding without anybody teaching it to them, you know. And the structure of language is actually, well, it's very interesting that in the development of children, the structure of, they pick up the structure of language over time, they make many mistakes, and then they overcorrect. They apply the rules better than we do. They say, I go to the store. Yeah, well, that's right. Why is it I went, why is the word change I went to the store? That's silly. It's I goad. It's correct. They, 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 they try to apply, they actually get the rules and they just try to follow the rules. Right? It, it, it makes sense. Right? I brung the thing over. You know, I brung it. Actually, some adults say that too. Right? Right? Because they think they, they, it sounds right. It follows the rules of what you normally say. I ring, I rung. I bring, I brung. What's the wrong? Right? Why I brought? Where did, they, where did that come from? So that, that's, the, you know, but they pick up the rules naturally. It's, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, so Shema Yachas. What's, the, what's Shema Yachas? Shem Yuskarbon Nosem Ibne Yachas Mi Chasav. That's a, um, a relative term. Okay? A relative term. Something that you are, def- that is part of your identity, but not in and of yourself, but as you relate to others. For example, Derech Mashal, Ivri, a Hebrew, Al Shema Makom, from where you came from. You're called an Ivri, you're called a Persian, okay, a Mashadi, based on the origin, okay, the origin of the person, geographical or ethnic origin of the person. Yehudi, right? Mordechai Yehudi, right? Al Shema Uma o Amishpacha. So that's a, an, a something that tie, that is a relative term, meaning it's describing the person or the thing. It doesn't have to be a person, right? It could be any, any entity that, oh, this is, a, uh, this is Chinese tea, right? Or the, whatever it is. They, they refer to something by its origin, its ethnic origin, its location, geographical. So that's giving you, that's called Shema Yachas. It's referring to something by its national origin or by its, uh, by its relation to other things, not a p- quality that it possesses. You could look at that tea and you won't see anything Chinese about the tea. But it came from China. Chinese virus. Exactly. Well, yeah, the, the origin of it, the origin is, right? Yeah, anything that you try to, you're referring to it by its origin. It's not something that exists in the thing itself, right? It's not in the thing itself. It's the origin of the thing. That's different. Okay? Because Shema Torah, the actual thing exists in the person. Meaning, this is something that you, you have a relationship to a certain place. You came from a certain place. It's not in you. So that's, there's nothing in you. I could do a DNA test if I'm going to see that you came from. If you're a scholar, you have wisdom in you right now. That you came from a certain place is a relationship you have with the place. Right. Now okay. Right. Yeah, it, it is something inherent because he has that skill. He possesses the skill. Right. The, the fact that he's Persian is just his origin, right? It's not a quality of him, as much as we think that it's, you know, it comes with certain stereotypical qualities, maybe. But. Um, Are you uh, 
And then he has, well, he has one more. He has the mispar, like echad, shtayim, shalosh, numbers. Um, I don't know of any other ones, but can you think of another one? There's, what is the world made of? The world is made of things, specific things, right? Specific things like particular individuals. It's made of categories of things like different families of things like there are there are individual humans and there is a human race and then there are meta categories that exist in our mind like living things or furniture or clothing and then there are qualities that exist in particular things and then there are relations between things what else is there to talk about i don't know if you could think of one let me know because for the past 2500 years they didn't think of any other ones but you might. I'm not saying no, but yeah, it, these are very general. So it's not really, it's not really trying to exhaust every example. What it's saying is that everything can fit into one of these general categories. Either it's a specific, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a um, collective, it's a ca- it's an abstract category, it's a relationship between things, or it's something that exists in a particular. You know, can it's always going to be used in one way. So, for example, a good example of this is the word Adam in Breshit. Because sometimes he's called Ha-Adam. And sometimes he's called Adam. Adam is his name, but it's also the species. So the word Adam could refer to the human, meaning he's like a representative of the human race, which would be like Shem Hamin. But it also he's a Shem Etzem because it's the, he's a particular person. What is, right? for example, what is Beit Hamikdash? What would fall on here? That would be a, it's a very specific, so that's like Shem, that's, that would be an example of the, uh, of the Shem Etzem, because it's very specific. But if you said Bet Knesset, Bet Knesset, so there are many Mizbachot, hypothetical. Right, if you mean that specific one, so like, right, the Mizbach of the Bet HaMikdash. You'll always be using it in one way or the other. You might be able to use the same word for more than one thing. Or, you know, but like, but for example, if I say Bet Knesset, there are many Bet Knesset in the world, right? So, it's, so the, the, it, I could be referring to anyone, but if you know in your context you're referring to a specific one, so then it might be, you know, you might be referring to a particular one and use the word, oh, I'm going to the synagogue, everyone, you use the to show that you mean a specific one, usually in English. Yeah. And in Hebrew too, you say Bet Knesset, I'm going to Bet Knesset if you're going to a specific one. That they will know what it is. But that, that, this is what he breaks it down into. Now he talks about Mikra Shemot, which is the. Yes. Oh, yeah, Shem is So that's just Echad Shtayim Shalot, numbers. Right. So numbers are sort of a different category because they don't have any real existence. Meaning there's no one, two, three, four. That's, we're just, that's, just a, that's quantity. Quantity of, uh, of things. So, you know, if you decide to. Uh, measure something, you use number, but it's not really something about the thing that makes it one, two, three, and four. That, that's just you collecting it into, uh, by, by the, by the uh, you know, counting up the number of individuals that there are isn't really something about any one of those individuals or even about the group. It's just, a, it's just quantity. So measurement of quantity. Okay? But he's going to talk about each and every one of these different categories. So he says, Mikreya Shemot. What's Mikreya Shemot? He says, these are the ways that the, uh, that the names change, that the Shemot change under different conditions. And this is very important for grammar because decoding what, is, what stays the same and what changes in a particular word gives us a lot of information. So he says, Hashinui, Sheishtanu Otiotehem, or Nikudotehem, Bemashiromzim, Al Inyanam, Neshlosham, Mikrim, Sheibachanu Behem, Vehem. Hamin hakamut vayachas. There are three things that are, that will be changed in a noun in Hebrew, especially in English, also to some extent, which is the gender. Gender we don't have in English, and we also don't have in Persian, right? I'm, but in in English we have uh, we we have non-gendered. But in Hebrew, there's most languages actually have gendered uh, nouns and gendered verbs. So in um, in uh, in, uh, in the word, the, every word, every shem has a gender, 
and a kamut, a quantity, meaning it's either yachid or abim, it's either singular or plural, and a yachas, relationship to other things. He's going to explain each one of these. So, mina shemot, what is the gender of the words? Okay, many people have difficulty with this because it doesn't really correspond to sexual gender like we think of today. Right? Obviously, like a shulchan is not male and, uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't have any meaning in that sense, but so he says because we expand this category a lot okay because something that is uh, that is said about something male that's actually male will be expressed in one way and something that refers to female will be different. He's saying really the basis of gendering of words is that you have male and female. And then what happened was any word that looks like a word that is zakhar ends up being called zakhar. And any word that could look like a nekeva is called nekeva. In other words, based upon the behavior of the word, we assign it a gender. But really, zachar and nekeva is, is, is somewhat of a misnomer because a car is not zachar and nekeva. You know, a chair is not zachar and nekeva. And it's very confusing sometimes because, you know, the endings don't always match either with the uh, zachar and nekeva exactly. He's saying that an, a word that, that really it's based, first of all, the term is based upon actual gender. And then he says, anything sheyavo al derech Hashem meaning if the word is structured in the way that is like a male word, what exactly that means, I don't, I don't know that there's clear, a clear sense of it. But it, the, the habit, basically, of categorizing certain, relating to certain words under the male form and relating to certain words under the female form is based somehow upon the structure of the word. And how it appears. But I don't see that there are clear rules for it. And actually some things have changed over time, which is very interesting. Even in recent times. Like for example, one that really strikes me the most is the word Sadeh. Because in Tanakh, the word Sadeh is female. Sadeh Techaresh. Sadeh is... Uh, but uh, we say Techaresh. Um, uh, and uh, Sadeh is always... Um, is always female. Yes, yeah, sadot, yeah, but it's even in the, in every, uh, in all of the verbs that are used for sadot, it's always, uh, it's always uh, um, in the, uh, always in the, uh, in the feminine. But in modern times, it changed to be masculine. Like in modern Israeli Hebrew. Even if you look at Kahati, he still writes, he always writes sadez nekeva. When he writes, like Kahati Mishnayot, which is <coughs> early, early Israeli time, you know, it's not like a uh, hundred years ago. He writes Sadeh, he treats Sadeh as a feminine word. And if you look in Tanakh and in Mishnah, Sadeh is always feminine. But it became masculine. Kos is a good example too. Okay? Because if you look at the word Kos, the word Kos nowadays, what do we say? Kosachat. It's feminine. Right? And we say Arbakosot. Right? But what does it say in the Mishnah? Mosgim lo kos rishon. Not rishona. Right? It says kos echad. So, the, uh, so somehow, like between the times of the Mishnah, now kos became feminine. Kosot would seem, you know, feminine also. Yeah. Um, it says it as Zachar always in the Kos Rishon. Yeah, that doesn't always go like that. It's Shofarot also. And it's Shofar Echad. The, yeah. But the Kos, but the Yeshuot is not. Fa- That's not such a good example. I don't know who taught you that, but. It, because because kos yishuot the kos is samuch to the word yishuot. It's not a description of the kos. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that can be masculine. Right, but that's talking about the right. But that's 
Yeah, but but in general, it always says Sadeh Techaresh, for example. It's always it's always feminine. Sadeh in the Mishnayot, always feminine. Whenever you have two words, you always get a confusion because the, the, a lot of times the Chumash will say Bahem or Bo for thing when there's more than one uh, more than one term. But you, yeah. Yeah. It happens sometimes in the Chumash. Yeah. In the Tanakh, it happens. But all, but but system, but in terms of the rule, the rule is definitely Sadeh is definitely feminine, for sure. So basically, there's no way of knowing if something. Usadeh lo temacher, right? It's always, it's always, uh, it's always feminine. Gan is Gan is masculine. Yeah. Gan Naul Mayan Khatum. I think Gan is still masculine as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, you do. Ganot, but you said it doesn't go like that. You say Shulchanot also. Kisaot, Shulchanot. There's many things that you say ot at the end. Like the Ibn Ezra makes fun of people. He says, people think that there's that there's that makom is feminine because they say mekomot. He's like, that's, that's not true. It doesn't always go like that. Bechovot. Besdesh shel acher. That's different. It's a sadesh shel acher. Yeah. Yeah. Esh is feminine also. You know, it's ishi. But it's, uh, but that's stayed in Hebrew. Um, no, no, believe me, I, I promise. So that's feminine. It's, uh, it, it, it changed in very modern times. I'm not even sure when. Like, uh, it's, it, even in Kahati Mishnayot, he says, if, if throughout Kahati Mishnayot, he says that they're in the feminine. Throughout the Mishnayot. There are certain things, yeah. It's more like just, there's no rules. Yeah, I mean, they're general, they're general principle that things that end with ot are going to be feminine, but it's not uh, reliable. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, it's it follows that pattern, but it's not a, it's not definite. It's not right. There's there. It's more than fifty one percent, but yeah, most of the time it ends in oath that's feminine, but but it's not. Um, but there's a lot of exceptions. Like like for example, like uh, a funny one is that um, that uh, uh, that what Shabbat is feminine. Yeah, Shabbatot always. Yeah, but if right, uh, yeah. If it, but like shofar is shofarot, but it's masculine, right? But keren is feminine, like a horn. Yeah, it's yeah karnaim. Is it karnaim? Shemesh is nekeba. Ruach is nekeba. It's actually mixed in Tanakh. The Ibn Ezra always says, like, it's sometimes Nekeva, sometimes Zachar. Uh, sometimes. And there are, there are words like that a lot in Tanakh that are used. They mix them around a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, ta- he mentions it a lot. He'll say that this is a word that sometimes Pam Nekeva. Now they systematized it a little bit more in, like, the official correct way of doing it in Israel. And, but it's, you know, old, old habits die hard. Like, a lot of. Uh, like for example, like na'alayim is chadashot. Na'alayim is feminine. Okay, most things that end in most things in the ayim are feminine. Okay, oznaim, enaim, shinaim, the doubles. They're mostly, but garbaim, which is socks, for some reason is masculine. You know, so it's like it doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Anyway, nobody knows the answer to that. But let's go on. So. Uh, so here he says so, so he says so zakhar so have about so dekhoshal ayil zakhar ayala nakeba mada zakhar dea nakeba so even words that have the same meaning but the form is more feminine because it ends in a like dea becomes feminine even though mada it seems same thing knowledge like one of them could be uh, feminine one could be masculine kamut shemo tu ayotam morim ali yakhid wal rabim dekhoshal khakham khakhamim Right, so we know that already. That's so. It tells you it has a gender. It has a 
quantitative factor, singular masculine, and then as yachas hashemot. It sounds like a Kabbalistic thing. Like yeah. They do, yeah. Uh, maybe that's some of where they get those ideas from, but it's not really specific to Hebrew. We find that every language has this. Actually, English is, a, is a, more of an exception to the rule. Most languages have... Most languages have masculine feminine, Spanish. All the Romance languages, Spanish and... Uh, Spanish, Italian, French, Arabic. I mean, Arabic is related to Hebrew, but... Arabic and... Uh, the nouns are, are, are masculine and feminine, too. Yeah. When you grow up with it, I guess it's like imprinted on your brain. I think it's one of the hardest things for, for uh, non-native speakers to get because native speakers just get it by habit. And, and, and then it becomes, you'll notice that like a lot of older Persians mix up he and she because they don't have he and she in Persian. They just use the same words. You know, so like, the, right? So yeah, so even so, it's a funny thing that I always noticed it in my older relatives too. Like, why do they keep confusing he and she? It's so basic. But then you go to Israel, and they're like, why does he say, you know, why does he mix up zechar and kevat? So basic to that. But in a language, it doesn't have it, so you don't have it, and it's hard to think in categories you don't have. Third person, there's no uh, same word. It seems, yeah. Yeah, maybe it comes from the fact that we kind of project like a certain anthropomorphic quality onto things. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But there's definitely, it's uh, definitely more the, the rule than the exception in human language. Seems like. Um, okay. But uh, could they have done it with a little more system, in a little more systematic way? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so it wouldn't be as confusing. Avanim Gidolot. There's another one. Avanim Gidolot is a very good one. Avanim Gidolot. Yeah. They have like another one like that. Hashemesh. Well, they're trying to do that now. They're trying now. Any new words that they come out with, they're trying to make it just to do right. But yeah. They changed. They changed some words. Like I said, they changed some. But um, anyway. So, 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 yachas hashemot. So that means that sometimes a word will connect to another word. For example, gvurat, gvurashel, right? Shel ezen nose, utechayev milazos chirat achas shesmechalo. There are also gvurat shimshon, and there is a smichut shesachalo with the kreta milas smucha. Mashen ken gvura shelo techayev hizachir acharei nose. Hamila muchretet. So that's a different type of a, uh, a different type of a word. So we're going to talk about it later. In other words, that's called smichut that we always find, that the word changes. Now you'll notice that it changes in two ways. Not only does it get a tav at the end, but also the kamatz becomes a patach. Okay, that's a sign of... Uh, so that's why, like, for example, What's zimratya? What is the zimrat as a tav on it? So it looks like a smichut, but it has a, it has a kamatz under it. Yeah, they talk... Right. Right, that's uh, the Ibn Ezra has a, brings like three different opinions. Yeah, so it's, uh, everyone gets bothered by that because it has the yud at the uh, because because it has the smichut form, or bereshit is the famous one bereshit shelma. Instead of uzi, instead 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 of ozi, yeah, it could be. There's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, in, there are a lot of problems. But whenever you're dealing with poetry, you're always dealing with unconventional language anyway. But the but the problem of, of a smichut without a uh, without something that it's attached to is always a problem. Form of smichut. The point is when you have a smichut, it, ha- it changes the word, and then uh, <clears throat> and also like for example, Shabbat is written as with a kamatz after. It's Shabbat, right? Because it has a kamatz under the bet. But when it's Shabbat Shabbaton, right? The first one is up because it's Michut. Right? So the, so the Patach is when, is it, when it's Samuch to the word afterwards, it always it loses the Kamaz, becomes Patach. 
That's a sign of the uh, of a smichut. So any some, anybody who's reading grammatically very carefully will notice that and will say, well, what is this? What is it samuchtu? Because why does it have a why does it have a patach? It shouldn't have a patach. It should have a kamatz, right? Right. So that whenever it's at, so uh, that, that's the um, that's why I say shabbat kodesh shabbat kodeshcha. If it's attached to the word after, it will be a patach. If it's by itself, it'll be with a kamatz. That's why it was easier for the for the people who pronounce the kamat and the patach more more uh, definitely to see it, to know it, to to spell correctly. Israelis are terrible at spelling nikudot because they just say everything as ah, right? So they just put, they would just write patach uh, for everything. Yeah, they, but I'm saying when they do for kids, they write it wrong. Like I literally went in classroom and they had on the, the board things that were, it wasn't even written by the teacher. It was like one of those made, made you know, ordered products and it was wrong. Like, and when you're, when you're used to it and you know some of the rules, like a, a bet or a kaf or a pay that follows a patach will always have a degesh. So when you see it wrong, it's like, you know, or if it follows a kamatza, it will never have a degesh. Right? So then you see that, like, why is it Shabbat? Because it comes after a patach. That's why. If it, sh- uh, I don't know, you have to ask them. I don't know where they got that from. Because that's, that's not even Arabic. Yeah, I don't know where they got that from. No, they do ah instead of like the person do ah. You know, the Taimani, they also do ah for the kamats. It's probably, I'm sure it's correct. I'm sure it's correct. Yeah. They also do for, they do for Shavad, they do like uh, um, for a uh, Shavana, they pronounce it as a patach. They say like Shama Yisrael. Yeah. They do Segoza. Yeah, they do Segoza. That's right. They have very different nikudot. They also, for lo, when, when, the, when it's a dot and not a full vav, they do lit. Yeah. They did. So I, I, I remember there was a Taimani guy that he read Parashat. I'm like, lit tishkach. That's how he read it. It was, it was weird. I thought you said, which group does this Shabbat? Yeah, the uh, Taimanim. Yeah. Yeah. Do they really? Baruch uh, right? Yeah. Right. They say that's interesting. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. It's probably more correct. Right. Right. That's so interesting. That's probably good. That's sim- They have a lot of similarities to the Tehmani. Very interesting. I also thought the same thing about Safar Torah. Because, you know, right, Safar Torah, because, they, because they, 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 it sounds like the way they take money. Also, they say the Patach, they say the, they say Gol is uh, Ah. I was, Safar Torah, I was wondering if maybe they got that also from that. Yeah. It could be that they come some similar uh, influence. I don't know. Um, in any case, so, these, so you have two forms. You have Smichut and you have the regular. So, um, uh, so, Whenever you find, you'll notice that the, that the, the vowel changes to a patach whenever it's samuch to the word after it. Okay, and whenever it is, uh, whenever it's uh, by itself, we'll have a kamat Now, tosefet hashemot, hushi tosfuba otiot, yetra mashabayem leomoz, and inyanim vekeshashit kashu imashilifneem ushel achrayem bamamar. So these are, prep, these are prefixes and suffixes that connect the words to other words. For example, and we said that Moshe and Kalev are the uh, otiots, right? Mem shin a, and vav kaf lamed bet. Terech mashal mishulchan ze, sheshulchan ze, hashulchan ze. Okay, any letter that you attach to the word that changes its meaning. So mishulchan means from. It's something else taken from the shulchan, right? It's sheshulchan. It's something that you're saying about the shulchan. If it's hashulchanaze, you're defining which one of the shulchanot. Vishulchanze, you're adding that shulchan to something else. Kishulchanze, you're comparing something to it. Lishulchanze, to the table. Vishulchanze, in the table, or it could mean on the table in that case, right? Right. He's going to go through every single one of these and see how they work out because we know when we're reading, this is one of the things that we notice the most nuances, mistakes. And probably of all the sections of the Ramchal that will be the most instructive for actual reading, this will be the one. 
Because there's so many times you wonder, why is it a chirik here? Why is it ah in some cases and eh in some cases and things like that? He's going to talk about those, how the nikudot change, um, the, what the basis is of it. Right, What's that? what about that? That's because it's nif'al. So in, so tigale, if you said tigale, with a, with a shva, it would mean, lo tigale, don't uncover your nakedness. Tigale means do not allow the nakedness to be uncovered. It would be like if you say, Hashem is lo yinakeh. Ki lo yinakeh Hashem. Right? Vinakeh lo yinakeh means he will not cleanse it. But if you say lo yinakeh, it would mean Hashem doesn't become clean. Which would be wrong and very blasphemous. In addition. Yeah, what is a good one? Because it's a very strange one. This one. By Achan and uh, his tent. Which one? Show me. In Yoshua. Here, Mishkalo, Matan, Shinehu, Shonzah, Bechad. Aha, Ohali, right. Oh, there you go. How do you even say that word? Ha. Ha'ohali or Ha'ohali? It depends where, it, where, where it's... Uh, I think the hay has the Hamas... The, the hay does? Ha'ohali usually. Ha'ohali. Oh, usually, yeah, I mean... For example, you're very familiar with the Gladys that we have Ne'arot and Ne'arot. Na'arot and Ne'arot. Right, so what's the difference between Na'arot and Ne'arot? What? Na'arot could be just by itself. Ne'arot is a smichut. Right? Oh, it's the other way around? Na'arot. If it's possessive to a person, it becomes na'arot. But na'arot, yeah. yafo, if, it's, if it's just a na'arot, it's By itself, right, right. I see. Yeah, by itself, na'arot, right. It becomes na'arot when it's, it's He alone. says, I think, well, let's see what he says, because I remember him saying it, it doesn't change. One second. Oh, yeah, because when it's by itself, it's na'arim and na'arot, right. Right, when it's actually when you actually say it. Rabot nekevot. Right, because when you talk normally, you say ne'arot and ne'arim. That's what you say. I don't know. Right, I think he did, actually. I think he did, because, uh, because he wrote it by hand. You could see, yeah, you could see the ktaviat. He did. Yeah. So when it's a masculine one, it becomes na'are. We know that, right? So the men, it changes to na'are. We keep the yud, we just drop the mem, basically, and we put it tzere instead of a chirik. And na'are so na'arot, right, so it's, that's what it is, right So it's the other, opposite of what I said before Because you're right, when we talk about it We say na'arot and na'arim We don't say na'arot, right And when we, when we connect it, that's weird though Because normally it's mikhu becomes shorter It is strange, but yeah, when we read it Na'arot is there, but it's not exactly so it doesn't always follow the same rule. So meaning the nikudot that you put in the uh, first part of the word change, because you could have gafne for gefen, but you have for the same thing of beged, you have big day, not, not bag day. Yeah. And then for zaken you have ziknei, and be right and and be achid. Not only is tanem misamuch lemuchrad, but he beg given. Zaken is a chutzah zekan. Okay, so so he says that the individual word naar doesn't change when it's smichut. Uh, neither does beged or given, but zaken changes to zekan, zekan beto. Yeah. So he's saying that it doesn't always follow a rule. Basically, big day but gafnei. Okay. Let's at least finish this part. Okay, So 
So he says that when it comes to Yom, you could find Yamim and Yemot. Yemot Olam. Zachor Yemot Olam. Binu Shnot Ovador. Right? You have Yemot. Yemot Olam. But you also have Yamim. Right? And you only find that though. Right? He says that could be Alder Chazachar Ve'anekeva. But normally it's only Alder Chazachar. Yom is Zachar. Even though Yemot sounds like it's Nekeva. Ve'choma. Lo tindu lo v'yechib lo barabim el Alder Chanekeva. So that's an example where when it's by itself, yona, it's nekeva. When it's together, it's yoni. Also, tsiporim, we have the same thing. Tsipor, tsiporim, it's tsipor is feminine always. I should have mentioned that also to mess you up. You never find the word elem as a, as a plural in Tanakh. Which is interesting, right? You never find elem. Alma, you find an alamot. Yeah. There are a lot of words that are feminine, but they don't look feminine. Like beten is a good example, actually. Beten, like beten, Hashem Techsar, even like we said before, even azot. Right? There you go, guys. We're messed up. We have no, no hope. Yeah, the truth is that they're all different and you have to know each one. Right? Right? Actually, quotes the Radak, you see But what's, what's interesting is that what he means is, Mishkalim means the different forms. And you'll see that the Ibn Ezra talks about that all the time. This is Al Mishkal, this. So what it means is that there are different categories of the structure of the word okay that are predictable in how they will show themselves in the different forms of the word no so like it could that could be part of it but he like if it's a word like um like uh where it's a the middle letter is a vav the middle letter of the shorosh is a vav so he's going to get to that so then the way it will look when it's in Present tense is a certain way. The way it will look when it's in past tense. Or like we talked about, like the things that have a nun as the first letter of the Shoresh. In future, it loses the first nun. That's called the Mishkal. In other words, the Mishkal is means the form that it takes, predictable form that certain kinds of words take under certain conditions. It's called the Mishkal. So that's what I'll say. This is al-Mishkal such and such. Meaning, this is like this, this other word, the way that this other... So a lot of times the Ibn Ezra will say, oh, this word is al-Mishkal such and such, and really it should look like this. Like he talked about Vayicha Ditro, I think he talked about it there. He said, oh, this is al-Mishkal, you know, Vayish Bimenu Shevi. Right? Really it should be like that. So why is there a Patach? Oh, because the Chet. You can't do Vayichot. How are you going to say uh, two? It really, it should have two shvaz at the end, but you can't read. Right? So they, well, it won't work. So they had to put a patah. So, but he says it's al-mishkal, meaning really, it's from the, really based on the type of, an, uh, of a verb that it is. It should be like the same as chadah should be the, uh, 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 the shoresh, and it should be just like shava. Right? And therefore it should be the same, uh, it means it should be the same uh, form. It should be the same form as every other, every other word that's of that form. That's what it means. When he says, Al Mishkal, such as that, he's giving you an example, like, uh, what? Of a form that matches this, that this is what it should look like. So if it deviates from that form, then that means that there's some exception. Huh? Right, usually it's because, oh, because it's, uh, because it's one of the, the otagaron, so you have to change it to this, you have to change it to that in order to, 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 to make up for it. So, but it's, but it, that, whenever he says al-mishkal, see, he'll always give an example. Oh, this is al-mishkal, some other word. Yeah, so uh, you, can, you can even take like a random Ibn Ezra and you'll find like a million. Uh, I think I have like, I have it here, I can open it, it probably says one on every page, you know. Yeah, once you understand these concepts, you open up the book and you just find that it's, uh, it's all over. The concept. Uh, um, like, uh, let me see if I can remember one that he says. In the upcoming, in Mishpati. 
Right. Well, you come. Right. Because it's really nakam. So, so it gets a dagesh because it's missing a note. That's a very common thing to happen. Right. So, so if he says, like, I think he said in this week's, in the last week's parasha, where he said it's al mishkal vayishmen roshevi, I think he said. Um, yeah. So he said, uh, he said, you know, because vayichad yitro. He said, um, one second. Vayichad yitro samach. Right? Uh, where is that? Where is it? Migizrat chedva. That means it's derived from the same word as chedva. Vahayawa oil yoto al mishkal vayift baseter libi. Vayishp mimenushevi. Right? That's what he's saying. Should have been the same word. Pata is the shorash of vayift. Like, right? It's the same. Or shava, right? Shava. Should we say, rach niftach achet bavoshu minagaron? Dagush. That's why you find that even though the Dalit is at the end, it's still Dagush. Normally, you don't have a Dagesh at the end of a letter unless it's a Taf. Right? You very rarely have a letter at the end of the word is a Dagesh unless it's a Taf. Right? So I said it has it. It says, Velo Eda. Vechola Mikla od Dagush. Besofa Mila. Ragemaya. The Bagad Kafat. The six letters of the Beged. You know, Kafat. Shir Chabush. Neshva in Shem Basof. The only time you have it is if you have. The bet gimel dalid kaf petav, and you have it at the end of the word with the tav at the end. Vayeshet menayin, right? Vayeshet menayin is two shva, right? He says rak imechad meamlachim lo mitzvah dagush. You never find that there is something other than a shva before it. In other words, vayeshet there are two tavs. Vayift there are two. Vayishp there is a shin with a shva under it and a tav with a shva under it. There's two shva in the row. So, but here it's Vayichad. There's only one Shva. So why does it have a Dekesh? He says, there's only two examples. Vayichad Yitro and an Iov. Al-Yichad Bimei Shana. Right? That's a, he says the only two cases in the whole Tanakh that you have. It. But that's what Mishkal means. Mishkal means it should have this form. So it left the Dekesh in there anyway. Yeah. Even though they have to add the A for the Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's very interesting. 